Yo, welcome back. My name is Rob Wong. Let's talk about what it's like dating as an ethnic minority. Of course, the easy answer here is that it's more difficult. There are challenges to being a minority in the United States that other groups don't have to face as strongly when it comes to dating. But at the same time, the issue is more complex than that. While there were certainly factors that held me back in my dating life, not all of them were racially motivated. And as a minority, sometimes it was harder for me to see that. Growing up, my experience was colored by a few different studies that pointed to Asian men being considered less attractive than the other races, especially black dudes, but I suspect we're all kind of less attractive than black dudes. OkCupid okay, even ran a study sometime around the 2000s. Turns out being an Asian male lost you at least a couple of points in attractiveness relative to all the other groups. Add that to the jokes that Asian guys have small penises, and throw that on top of immigrant stereotypes about all Asians being engineers that can barely speak English and also eat dog. And what you've got is kind of a bitter pill to swallow. Years ago, I had a conversation with my friend's wife. She happens to be a blonde, good-looking white woman. And he's a fairly tall, extremely jacked, part Asian man. She told me that once a few of her friends found out that she was dating a part Asian guy, instead of congratulating her, they started telling her things like, Hey, you know you could do better than that, right? While not every woman out there has the same kind of mentality, in fact, most women probably don't have that mentality. I'm guessing it's less than 5% of the population. Hearing about that kind of thing sort of puts a chip on your shoulder. At least that's the way that it worked for me. I ended up becoming rather angry with women, and a lot of that anger was directed towards changing who I was. My own personal growth and development was specifically channeled towards overcoming the stereotypes that I felt I was being pitted up against. As a young adult, I rarely matched with women that I was attracted to on dating apps. And that's been a consistent theme, something that I've seen every year over the last 12 years as long as I was single. And while it's easy to dismiss that as perhaps just being particularly unattractive or not good-looking or not tall enough, I'm 5'11", reasonably successful, and for reasons that I can't quite fully explain, I do much better in person than I do in dating apps. It's a night and day difference. When I'm on dating apps, I might occasionally match with a woman that I'm interested in, but this happens once every three to four weeks. But now in person, I run into women who are interested in me almost every time that I go out. So while there are many reasons to explain the gap in between those two conditions, it's still just a very odd thing to see in real life. For the most part, I'm interested in white women, and what's particularly striking is that most of the women that I've dated that have been white have also been particularly interested in Asian culture. They grew up around a large community of Asians, or they studied abroad while they were in college, and they lived in China for a number of years. And when you combine all of that together, it speaks only being able to date partners who have managed to overcome whatever bias or prejudice they happen to have against Asian men in general. The only time that I haven't felt that bias is when I'm traveling internationally, when I happen to be in Asia itself, or... Oddly enough, when I was in Brazil for the World Cup, people would wander up to me and start speaking in fluent Portuguese to my bewilderment and consternation, but it was also kind of a wonderful experience because for once in my life, 
I really felt like people weren't judging me for being Asian. Rather, I was being accepted into their community without any question. Now, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that this is the case for every Asian man that exists in the United States. There is a wide diaspora of how we are received by the world. And even among the same community, different people are going to be received different ways, even if they are the same ethnicity. But what I am saying is that these are all things that made my experience more challenging than if I were born into a country where none of these prejudices or stereotypes existed. On one hand, it was frustrating having to grow through all these things, challenges that I perceive my white friends not having. But on the other hand, I've really come to appreciate the Koreans and the Japanese for introducing alternative Asian stereotypes. It's nice being associated with wanton sex appeal and desire, especially when it comes to Korean dramas. And if I'm being completely honest, K-pop has done more for my generation and Asian men in my generation than almost any other force that I've seen. And it's not all been negative discrimination. There was one who wanted to date me specifically because I was Asian. It was a truly bizarre conversation where she seemed to try to name drop as many Asian things as she possibly could into the conversation in the hopes that it would lure me and beguile me into dating her long term. Our interactions ended with that conversation, and while it wasn't particularly a great experience, it did happen to give me a lot of insight into what the experience must be like for Asian women. In that same OkCupid okay study from around the year 2000, Asian women were bumped up a number of points simply for being Asian. And I imagine it's a different but similarly off-putting experience to be fetishized based off of the fact that you're Asian and then treated like a geisha. And I'm grateful that I haven't been subjected to very much of that because I'm not sure how much of that dance I'd be able to take before someone needed to get punched in the throat. I think it's worth acknowledging that a lot of who I became was in reaction to what I thought I needed to overcome. I'm a heavily tattooed Asian man living in North Carolina. I dress, act, and speak differently than most of my overseas counterparts and most immigrants that are new to the United States. I very specifically don't have an engineering job. And I was absolutely obsessed with getting better with women as soon as I turned 18. But that's only half of the story. The thing that needs to be acknowledged here is that when you look different from everyone else around you, it's easy to make your failures about the fact that you look different than everyone else, because that's the obvious difference. But this approach lacks accountability and curiosity. I'm not actually seeking the truth in this situation. I'm simply making assumptions about what other people are thinking. It can be a very dangerous and painful place to live. For most of my life, I've had anxiety, depression, low EQ. I was not very self-aware. I had horrible eye contact, and I was one of the most angsty partners that I've ever heard about. And I work with people professionally in the relationship field. I am fairly certain that I'm on the high-functioning end of the autism spectrum. Needless to say, my vibes were not immaculate, and I can only say this because I've gotten so good at dating that now I can look back and see where I've messed up in the past. And yes, some women definitely passed me up because I was Asian. But the main reason why I was bad with women was because of all of the above. I hadn't resolved enough of my own issues and overreactiveness to be fully present in conversations with women. 
I was so scared of being rejected that I wasn't actually fully there when women were talking to me. Instead, I was in my own head. I was trying to figure out what to say so I wouldn't look like a jackass. Or, equally bad, I was in my head trying to look as attractive as I possibly could, rather than engaging with her as a human being. The rare instances where I did manage to attract a woman or confuse her enough into dating me, it was because she had to set aside the stuff that I was doing before she was willing to give me a shot. I was succeeding despite my attempts at game, not because of them. I really can't blame my ethnicity or the stereotypes or discrimination for any of that. Who I was was very uncomfortable and socially awkward. My energy was off-putting, and while it's hilarious for me to talk about that now, in the moment while it was happening, it was just very uncomfortable and embarrassing. And yeah, discrimination definitely happened. But for me, in the long run, that was a blessing. I want to be dating someone who's open-minded. I want to get married to someone who is willing to give other people who look different a chance. And it's a simple fact of life that we all have our individual biases. That every single last one of us has a way in which we are not fair, where we're not open-minded, where we're not kind to a group, and that has no rational basis in reality. And once I was able to accept that people have unfair preferences, and moved on fully, that's when I started dating truly amazing partners. So the world is imperfect. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. But the thing that's hard to admit because it sounds like moralizing from where I'm standing is that the imperfections in the dating world and in the world in general are part of what make it beautiful. And I don't mean that in the Facebook post-cringe way where someone talks about how in Japan they take shattered pottery and glue it back together with gold because broken things are more beautiful that way. In the literal and metaphysical sense, we need contrast in order to perceive things at all. If it were all beige and body temperature, then it would just feel like nothing. There would be literally nothing for us to comment on, nothing for us to overcome, nothing for us to do. And if there's one thing that I've come to understand, being someone who habitually hacks the video games that he paid good money in order to play, once you've removed the challenge from a game, it's no longer a game. It's boring. It feels like a waste of time. Rules and restrictions that we encounter, the enemies and obstacles that we need to overcome, the ways that we're forced to grow and become better and better, those are the things that give us a game to play. Ironically, those are the things that make life worth living, at least in my opinion. And while there's no way in hell that I can claim that I operate like that every single moment of every single day, it's something that I aim for. Not because I intrinsically want to be a happy-go-lucky, glass-half-full kind of person, but because I know the alternative, because I've lived so much of my life there been bitter and angry and resentful and pissed off and hurt. I've been disillusioned. I've railed endlessly against the injustice of what is. That was a truly, profoundly miserable way of existing. And while I don't think that there's anything bad or wrong about fighting for what you believe in, or fighting for change in the world that you think would bring about the greatest net good, I've come to understand firsthand that attachment to an outcome is the number one way that I can make myself miserable. And simply put, 
the best thing I can do for my own sanity, the best thing that I can do for my own fulfillment is to accept the full contrast of this world that we live in, warts and all. And that is all the time that we have for today. My name is Rob Wong. This is the Great Date Guy podcast. And if you got something interesting out of this episode, be sure to leave me a comment. Let me know what you thought. Hit subscribe. Leave me a rating if you feel like it. That goes a long way. I really like seeing new ratings for this podcast because that means more people can see it. And once more, thank you, you, for being here. Appreciate you listening. And I'll catch you next week. Peace.